Hello, and welcome to You Love to See It, a podcast where we watch movies and TV shows and then tell you all about them. This week, well, this week is a very special episode <laughs> of, uh, of this podcast because we watched Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, also known as AP1, <laughs> Austin Powers. We just called it Austin Powers at the time before there was a sequel, and... Um, it's this is going to be a ride, folks. Uh, let me let's introduce the crew. So I'm going to go around and sort of introduce everybody. Uh, so founder of the militant wing of the Salvation Army and managing editor of Fanbyte.com, Stephen Strom. Yes, hello, it is me. I have the German accent now. I have Great. started a militant uh, organization. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Uh, Ex-wrestler, evil handyman, extraordinaire, and social editor for Fanbyte.com, Nikki Grayson. That's me. Hello. Hello. I don't have a voice. <laughs> you don't need one. That's fine. And lastly. Oh, wow. Just does that some shade at my thing? <laughs> no. No, but okay. Random Tusk doesn't talk, so. Oh, that's true. Sorry. And lastly, a superstitious man. He leaves a tiny keepsake. From his good luck bracelet on every victim he kills. Scotland Yard would love to get their hands on that piece of evidence. It's Patrick Gill of Polygon.com. Wow, this is anti-Irish discrimination. (laughs) Are you Irish? Yeah, yeah. It was was O'Gill before Ellis Island. Oh, okay. I kind of felt like maybe maybe you were... Um, I I mean, here's the thing. There's no reason to talk about being Irish. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't blame you for not knowing. It's perfectly fine. (laughs) Sorry to imply that all Irish people are serial killers with kind of comedic, uh, you know, motifs about them. Didn't mean to do that. I do want to die in a toilet stall next to uh, next to Tom Arnold. So, <laughs> <laughs> who doesn't really? God, who doesn't? Okay, so where do we even start? Um, I'm just gonna hit the do the the highlights, the the top level view, and mm. then we'll we'll get into things and we'll go around and we'll talk about our experiences with this film. So, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, is a 1997 American spy comedy film. Directed by Jay Roach. It's obviously the first. This was one. directed by somebody? Yes. Someone <laughs> made, stood in front of a camera and was like, cut. And they clacked to the thing. Um, this is how I think movies are made. Um, the, it's a lot of clacking the thing. It's a lot of yelling into the, one of those old timey uh, megaphones mm-hmm. while you're sitting up on a high chair. It's like a rolled up copy of the New York Times that you use to like just, you know, project your voice. Yep. Yes. And, 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 and you're, you're wearing riding pants. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's essential. Essential. Um, Star's franchise co-producer and writer Mike Myers as the titular Austin Powers and Dr. Evil, his arch enemy. Supporting roles are played by Elizabeth Hurley, Robert Wagner, Seth Green and Michael York. The film is an affectionate spoof of the James Bond films and other popular culture uh, from the 1960s. So things like Peter Sellers movies, a lot of that English genre of uh, goofy spy stuff. And, um, you know, like Spy Hard, like Spy Hard. Yeah, like Spy Hard. Uh, So. This is this is kind of 
interesting because three of us have seen this movie before. Um, Stephen, Pat, and I mm-hmm. have seen this movie, I would say, many times for myself. I don't want to speak for you. You're, you would be correct, though, uh, many okay. times. Okay. Not recently Pat, up until this, but yeah. And Pat, you also... Well, we actually watched all three of them together. Um, was that last I, I year? Was, I was not there for Gold Member. You weren't uh, there but for I was there Gold for, Member. I, I was there for one and two, so I haven't seen Goldmember in, in quite a few years, but I've watched Austin Powers at least twice in the last year. Perfect. And yes. uh, Nikki, this was your yeah. first time watching the film Austin Powers, is that right? That is correct. It was my first time watching the film Austin Powers, and there were, I guess... This, I think, is one of those movies like Ghostbusters, which we talked about in Slack the other day, mm-hmm. um, where, like, there, I didn't realize I hadn't seen it until people started talking about it. Then I was like, oh, I guess I haven't seen this movie because, like, I remember moments like the steamroller bit and the part where Austin Powers, Austin Powers is the car in the hallway. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Uh-huh. And then... That was it, I guess. And then I was like, well, I guess there's a rest. There's other movie around it, but I'd never seen it before now, this morning. But so there's you, there's really not, though. No, the movie is built oh. around that scene. And actually, uh, Pat did link me to a deleted scene from that film that I do want us all to watch uh, later on. But uh, that is about that. But uh, Nikki, did you like you had so you had some awareness of this film going in? Like, I feel like this film yes. has become it's not quite a Shrek where like Shrek is like just has right. become an entity onto itself. Uh, Austin Powers, though, I feel like is in the culture to some extent, right? Right, and and there are people, people know about Austin. When you say Austin, especially within this industry, everyone knows that you're talking about Austin Powers. Right, everyone loved those classic Game Boy Color games that were like <laughs> a weird ARG that's like a cell phone where you, there's a word processor and you can send a text file to someone with a Game Boy link cable. Uh, I love Rockstar's games. I love Rockstar's family of products. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, why don't we, you know, um, Stephen, Pat, do you remember the first time you saw Austin Powers? Uh, yes, it was on DVD, which was a really exciting deal Ooh, because yeah. it was one of the first films I'd ever seen on DVD. Okay. Wow. Um, and it was, I don't want to get too far into this stuff but like it was like i mean my my, i I was young and i didn't have a great idea of what sex was Uh or what sexuality (laughs) was Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and this is a profoundly sexual film Mm -hmm. and i think it just like distorted a lot of what i knew (laughs) slash thought i know (laughs) about the way uh love and intimacy work Mm -hmm. yeah um specifically in when I saw Austin Powers 2, the part where, oh, you know, we can't talk about that, can we? Because that's Austin Powers 2. I mean, two. we, we we'll can talk it. about it. Okay, um, all right. Are, are you talking about the Mojo part? I'm talking about the Mojo. Can, <laughs> now, can we say that on a fanbite product? <laughs> we can say Mojo. We can say Mojo. But can, can we say what I thought the Mojo was? Yes, and I know what, yes, yes, you mm-hmm. can. There's a part where a fat bastard extracts his mojo, and, I, and I'm not saying this like because we're we're going to be talking about Austin Powers one, but just to let you know the sort of mindset I had when yeah. I absorbed all of the messages this film had. There's a scene where he abstri- uh, r- removes the mojo from Austin Powers' body, and I was like, oh, well, that's just his cum. Yeah. He's just taking his <laughs> cum, which is his sexual energy. I thought it was literally. Uh huh. And then later on, Doctor Evil drinks it. 
Yeah, he does, does John drinking that glass of dog cum. Yeah, like, okay. Well, we've hit our limit for the number of times sorry. we're allowed to say I'm that I'm really word. sorry. No, no, no. That's me. I did the last few. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, this movie, I feel like, came out at a time, 97. Yeah. So, yes. you know. A time when greed and corruption once again ruled the world, as I've been told. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but it was like, you know, it's. I feel like a lot of people I know were like starting to turn like double digits in terms of age and were just like, mm-hmm. and this movie was weird because it was shown on TV in like a, a heavily edited version, maybe not yeah. heavily, but they took out a lot of words. They took out like a lot of the jokes so they didn't really land anymore. So you were just kind of watching it like, wait, what? You never forget a kitty cat? Like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> um, or like, like, oh, a Swedish made pump? Like, what? What is that <laughs> a pump weird. for? What, what? what are you talking about? Um, but so it was, and also, like, maybe just because this of my family being British, but they were really into it because, like, my mom had grown up watching the movies that this movie is, you know, parodying. So yeah. I feel like I watched this with, like, family members and stuff. Like, it was, like, mm. a fun, like, family movie. And looking back, like, I'm not sure. <laughs> no. I'm not sure, guys. Uh, I think actually, probably a lot of the stuff in this movie, I get, yeah, also did affect my development, for sure. Um, I just wanted to say on the topic of family movies, like, I do remember, you asked a minute ago when we first saw this, and I do remember that, and it was maybe the exact opposite experience of you, which is that my dad definitely owned a bunch of movies that he wasn't sure if they were, like, on the line with when it came to, like, things like sex and violence and stuff in okay. movies, but of course I was, like, a, a you know, a red-blooded American human being, and so mm-hmm. was very capable of finding where he would hide those things, which was his uh, bedroom closet, and so <laughs> <laughs> the way that I watched this movie was, like, probably, I, I don't remember the exact circumstances, but it was definitely a time when I was alone at home, and I knew where he kept his movies and he had a dvd copy hidden in his bedroom closet so i watched it while he was gone one day alone or whatever and uh had no context for any of the stuff going on in it and nobody there to kind of like guide me through it so yeah it was definitely like a weird awakening experience you know yeah i specifically remember asking my mother what um what it meant in the part where Austin is trying to stop himself from being horny and start saying Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold night, Margaret Thatcher naked on a cold night. I was like, what is that? What, what is he? What? Who is Margaret Thatcher? And what is he talking about? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this, this movie just had a lot of questions, but you, you mentioned something merit, which occurred to me in the first shot of this movie where you actually see Austin power. So it's the movie begins with, Dr. Evil, no face, mm-hmm. just being villainous. And then he sort of uh, disappears for a minute. And then we're in the 60s during Austin's heyday. And I was looking at him and I was like, is this... Should... Okay, <laughs> this is a reference to something. But to everybody who grew up watching mm-hmm. this movie, it is just what it is. That's just Austin. Like the way he dresses, like mm-hmm. the weird world yeah. he exists mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Like there is no nostalgia attached to that right. for everybody who fucking remembers Austin, for the 12-year-olds who went to see Austin Powers. So he is, like he's the origin of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, but what is the stuff that it's based on and were we supposed to know? Well, I think older people were supposed to know. So I think people, you know, the thing that people forget about James Bond is that those movies used to be a lot goofier. Like there's a part in, I think, Moonraker where 
a pigeon does a double take when it sees a boat <laughs> from, from the, on, uh, the canals in Venice onto land. Like a bird does a double take. The, so, like, uh, the, the Roger Moore era of James Bond movies is like just straight up comedies at that point. Yeah, for sure. And, um, so I didn't know this, but I uh, on the the wiki page for Austin Powers, apparently Daniel Craig in a 2014 interview said uh, that. Austin Powers is the reason that the later Bond films are so serious. And he was quoted as saying, we had to destroy the myth because Mike Myers fucked us. (laughs) (laughs) Making it impossible to do the gags of earlier Bond films, which Austin Powers satirized. So it's true. It's this weird thing of like, you know, Austin Powers was a referencing stuff. Like these were just things that like movies that were made in the sixties. But a lot of the people who grew up watching it, like, had no idea about this stuff and now those people a lot of them are nostalgic for this copy of something else which people were nostalgic for and it gets very confusing and i think that's part of the appeal of this movie to me is that like it feels kind of weird in terms of uh its place in history yeah it's like kind of i remember this movie very strongly as being uh, definitely in that same kind of era of my high school rediscovering monty python and the holy grail and just like Mm. Mm. memes before memes were a thing it was just like Mm -hmm. no this is just an inside joke that everybody in your school tells each other because like everybody has seen that movie not that they found it on the internet and are sharing it with each other that way it's just everybody is saying like who does number two work for over and over Mm -hmm. and over again Mm -hmm. uh similar to how they would say things from monty python movies at the time and yeah it's like (sighs) The thing I keep thinking about when I was watching this movie was like, remember when you could just make a movie and all it really took to be the like one of the most marketable stars in the world was just to do a funny voice and put on like a funny wig and like fake teeth or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that was comedy for a yeah. while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and yeah. now that like we've we've seen such like a weird kind of pushback like culturally because social media exists and stuff like that, everything moves out of the conversation so much quicker. This movie was kind of like this whole trilogy of movies is kind of one of the last cultural touchstones pre kind of Shrek era turning into like everything becomes a meme. Everything is like trying literally from the ground up. You know, corporations are like, how do we make this into a meme so more people pay attention to it? It's like kind of interesting in that way. Yeah. And it's, and it's, yeah. it's extra interesting. So go, go ahead. No, 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 please. I was going to say it's, it's extra interesting that Mike Myers has completely failed to thrive in this new era. Yes. We're like, mm. we're like every, literally every part of his old fucking movies used to be a thing. Like you said, that you hear over and over and over again, but he's just completely evaporated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like Remember hosting the, did gong the gong show, show or something. Yeah. yeah. What? Really? Yeah. I missed that. I think and he was like, like dressed up in like say a it costume was or something. Yeah. Huh. Oh boy. Because huh. like I knew that he basically stepped out of the limelight after the Love Guru kind of just like tanked his career, right? Like that was a big yeah. thing oh at the God. time. Oh my yeah, God. remember that? I the do. Love Guru was Pat, the first PG thirteen film I together. saw. Oh God. Weird. Yeah, we did. It was. And it was. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's the second worst know. movie I've ever seen. Wow, I, w- I was dis- I was trying to describe it to a friend the other day, and I, in describing what I thought was a terrible movie, I was like, "Wait, was it good?" Because <laughs> I was just I was like, uh, "the the dude from 
last night to this this week today is on it and his his character's name is dick pants mm-hmm. and i was like wait is that good <laughs> that wait, wait i think that might be good <laughs> there's a scene where mike myers's face is projected onto a child's body and that is oh, no. one of the only funny parts in the entire movie i feel like i've talked about really this good. on one of our podcasts before but the scene where you know ben kingsley is like making jokes about how his parents are fucking or whatever and then he's just like my parents are dead and it's just Mike Myers' face on a child's body with like a pitch raised voice. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not to get too off track, we can come back to Austin in a second, but I feel like, you know, the Austin Powers is sort of really when Mike Myers gets into full swing. I mean, he'd already done Wayne's World. He'd yeah. already done So I Married an Axe Murderer, but this was like, he was on top of the world. And by the time we got to The Love Guru, it feels like... I don't know the full story of that movie, but it feels like no one could say no to him at that point. Yeah. Right. He was like, all right, I made it this far. I'm going to do my passion project now. Uh, it's a movie about hockey. It's about making a guy do hockey good by uh, pretending, by like doing a, a bad Indian accent. And uh, it, yeah, I don't even remember half of what happened. It's so bad. Uh and it did poorly, unsurprisingly. I think that. And I think the, the go ahead. Oh, I was just, I was just going to say on the topic of the like love guru stuff and the bad Indian accent and stuff like that. The parts of this movie that hold up the worst. I something it says in the Wikipedia description here is it calls it an affectionate um, spoof, yeah, of James Bond films. And I think the movie does best when it is like punching up or just making jokes about like, you know, people being weirdly supportive of each other. Tom Arnold's whole bit is like could go a very (laughs) certain way where it's like could be just like gross out humor of just like, oh, he's taking a shit. Oh, no. Eh, South Park. Ah. Um, But instead, he's just like, yeah, buddy, come on. You show that turd who's boss. And it's like actually kind of funny, I think, uh, partially because of that. But the worst parts of this movie are like, oh, Will Ferrell in brownface, huh? That's still in here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I I always forget about Mustafa. And then he just shows up and it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I I had no context for who who Will Ferrell was the first time I saw this movie. So I just... (laughs) I was like, oh, that's an interesting accent. I wonder where that guy's from. <laughs> but but yeah, I agree. Um, the Austin Powers series, and especially I think the first film, has this kind of optimistic tone to it. Yeah. That is very different from a lot of parodies, uh, even parodies of, of this uh, genre, in that, yeah, it's just kind of like light and like fun. And it, it I mean, obviously, like it draws on this energy of the 60s and, um, you know, psychedelic vibes and just like free love and everything. And and that comes through in the, the structure of the film, I feel like. So it's, I don't know, it's, yeah, it's like a pleasant watch, most of it. And um, even by today's standards in a lot of ways, some of the like, more, when the movie gets a little political, it's actually kind of aged I would say very well, like the whole bit about just like, yeah, we finally showed those capitalist pigs who's boss, eh, comrade? <laughs> it's like, oh, Austin, if only. <laughs> Yay, capitalism. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so something before we like get into the, the, the film proper, I want to point out that the character Mike, of uh, Austin Powers existed before the film. Like this was Oh, really? Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited this to learn was, about this. This was a character that Mike Myers created uh, actually for a fake 1960s rock band 
called Ming <sighs> T, which appears in the third film. They play uh, 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 Daddy Wasn't There. They also play uh, M- Mrs. Willia at the, the end of Austin Powers 1. Yes. And uh, uh, the BBC. You will oh. never guess who else was in the faux 1960s rock band Ming T because it was Susanna Hoffs, who was the lead singer of the Bangles. What? And Matthew Sweet. Who? Whomst? <laughs> Whomst? Matthew Sweet. Nope, not you Matthew Miller. You don't know who Matthew Sweet is? I've never seen this man before in my life. He was a, a wicked cool musician in the 90s. I'm sorry. Uh, he did that song, oh, he did the song. He did the song Cats and Dogs from Garfield the movie. Okay, yeah, he also did that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um... I'm sorry. I know not, I know very little about like music and the history of music merit. This is on me. This is not on you. That's fine. No, no, no. That's fine. Um, but yeah, it was like they were like real musicians in this band with him. That's and, cool. Um, so, and that that band was inspired by these movies that his father had introduced to him as a child. His dad died in '91, and he was like looking back at like these James Bond movies, Peter Sellers, The Beatles, all this stuff, and. Um, created this character and also uh, uh the character of dr evil is allegedly based on dana carvey's impression of lauren michaels that, which is very good it's like three <laughs> people deep <laughs> yeah the, o- uh, the only thing i knew about the creation of dr evil is i just did a rewatch of the entire twilight zone series uh-huh. and the whole pinky thing is taken from um number 24 looks just like you um, like the main oh. villain in that, like the kind of effeminate main, like evil doctor guy in that uh, movie always does the pinky thing. Mm-hmm. And that's so, all I knew. <laughs> I guess. So here's, so the pinky thing is one of the things that I had knowledge of, yeah. even though I hadn't seen the film. And I guess at some point, my understanding was that the pinky always came to the corner of the lips. And yeah, whenever, that's what I like, too. whenever I was like, when I was a child and kids would do it, like everyone like always went to the corner of their lips on either mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. but that's not where the pinky goes. The pinky goes like over the lips. Um, and that kind of, when I saw it for the first time, I was like, Oh, he's going to do it. He's about to say $1 million <laughs> and then do the thing. And then he like put his finger in a different spot. Yeah. So kind of, kind of like is, a, is, a Berenstain, Berenstain situation. Yeah. <laughs> Just to check Is everybody doing it right now? Yes. Uh, yes. Oh, I was doing it a bunch. Yeah. This entire time. This whole Everyone podcast. Everyone who's is listening to this podcast has been doing it too. Uh, one more thing about Dr. Evil before we get into the plot of the film. Mike Myers wanted Jim Carrey to play Dr. Evil. He didn't plan to play multiple characters. And uh, Carrey was interested but according to the Wikipedia page for Austin Powers, had to turn down the role due to scheduling conflicts with Liar Liar. Oh. Damn. So we could have had a world where Jim Carrey was Dr. Evil. That world would have been much different, I feel like, in many ways. Uh, in many yeah. ways. I, I think it would have been an exciting world because now I'm imagining like the one-upmanship that that would have introduced mm. to the, the sequels mm. when each of them takes on more and more characters. Ah. Yeah, yeah who just, plays it, Fat Bastard? Eventually it's just those two and they're just by the third film. Yeah, and just a world of carries and carry, powers. Carry versus <laughs> powers, or carry yes. carry versus Myers in uh-huh. <laughs> kind of like a Jesus. Terminator versus RoboCop situation. 
Now, I thought you were going to say an X versus Sever situation, which is the only, oh. I'm the only person who would have gone to that place instead. Yeah, ballistic, so. yeah. Ballistic I saw that one. Sever. That one was good. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, the, um, just, sorry to back it up real quick. The, the thing about a, a trend in Mike Myers stuff that you mentioned earlier, you said that this is based on, like, things that his dad showed him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think a thing that he is not good at as a comedic person is introducing people to the things they need to know to think yes. that the things he mm-hmm. thinks are funny. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god. Are you going to talk about Goldmember? We, we we don't have to talk about Goldmember right now. We can talk no, about no, Goldmember no, no. later. Goldmember is a really good example though. We should we should yeah, do yeah. an episode devoted to all three movies. We've blocked sure. ourselves in at this but, point. Pat, I you're the one who told me about where his inspiration for that character came from. It was I, I have listened to the commentary tracks on all of these films. So when he was talking about the inspirations for, for Goldmember, it was he was talking about it like this thing that other people had experienced, and it was something along the lines of in England, yeah, maybe it's it's over in England people vacation within europe and sometimes these dutch people come and they never wear sunscreen and he's just like (laughs) describing (laughs) describing these racial stereotypes about dutch people that i've never heard uh but he's just like yeah so we we put that in the movie is like you thought people would fucking get that you thought somebody would look at that that's why his skin's peeling because he doesn't wear sunscreen okay right yeah that's why he pulls pieces of his skin off is because like he, he's vacationing in in america or in in england he's spending time on the beach and he's not taking care of his skin oh. which is i guess what dutch people do i guess That's, yeah now it's i see why just it's funny deranged it's just deranged yeah, yeah. Tw- it took yeah, 20 but then, years but i got there <laughs> finally i could laugh again yeah, but they, just a lot of jokes in this one where I, I just sort of put it on myself for just like being too young to not get mm-hmm. what was going on. I think are just cases where Mike Myers had a very, very speci- specific cultural reference that he wanted to make and didn't prepare anybody for it. Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, no, don't apologize. That's yeah. yeah, that's good context. So let's let's get into sort of the the scene by scene, uh, the sort of. Pr- play of the the narrative in the film so of course uh the film starts out in the 60s austin powers thwarts an assassination attempt by dr evil and then dr evil decides to freeze himself in space and which, is, uh, which that jump is bonkers yeah like, he's well, like well i took well, the L on this one you, so. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna try again in 30 years Mm-hmm. I've dismantled my entire organizational structure right before this in a fit of like petty rage. So I guess I have nothing to go off of anymore. Like, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, you know, Austin is like, well, Dr. Evil will come back at some point. So please also freeze me and then I will come <laughs> back to face my nemesis. So essentially what we're dealing with uh, is a kind of a... Uh, what was that uh, Stallone movie? Demolition Man. It's a kind yes. of a Demolition Man situation here. Yeah. Uh, I think it's important to note that, unless I'm misremembering, that decision happens completely off screen. Mm-hmm. Like, we, I don't yes. believe we ever get the no, moment he where Austin... Say, Please yeah. put me in the freezing machine. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's sort of a cliffhanger that, that, that he's still, this, this ultimate weapon still exists against yes. evil. Yeah. I, bl- I believe it is one Basil Exposition who explains that one to us, uh, his decision mm. after the fact. You know, I didn't mm-hmm. get that until I think it had been so like when I was a kid, I was like, I don't know what exposition means. Is that just like a funny sounding name? <laughs> that's that's good, though. That is that's that great. is a good joke. A I had that joke. written down as a note that that's a very good that's joke. That's a great joke. Um, so 
30 years later, in 97, the year the film was released, Dr. Evil returns. And in the meantime, since he's been frozen, his henchman number two has, uh, who is played by uh, Robert Wagner. Yeah. Which, incredible. <laughs> um, <laughs> has uh, developed VirtuCon, which is also a great joke. Um, just like virtue. Oh, it's like virtuous. Yeah, it's, we're not evil. Don't worry about it. It's like the opposite <laughs> of evil. Um, they're the legitimate front of the uh, the evil business, and they're actually like much more profitable uh, uh-huh. than than any kind of like harebrained yeah. schemes. But Doctor Evil, of course, does not care about business, and he decides to steal nuclear weapons and hold the world hostage for one million dollars. Is everybody doing it? Is everybody yes. doing it? We're all doing it. Absolutely. Great. My notes. <laughs> my my notes for this section were that like it was the pacing of the movie was moves like an actual film yeah. up until the <laughs> first boardroom, first thought out boardroom scene uh-huh. with Dr. Evil. Yeah. Because like the gags in the scene where they're bringing Austin Powers back to life are all like well-timed and they're short and to the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote down the phrase, uh, warm liquid goo face. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Incredible. Which, which is, we've all had our warm liquid goo phase, uh, which is a great gag. Evacuation complete, you know, <laughs> yeah, goes on long, goes but on. it's not like, but then as soon as we're in that fucking boardroom, it just immediately becomes like, okay, well, we had all these people sitting around a table and they just went for a couple hours. Yeah. <laughs> and here's what we got out of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We just sprinkled that throughout the movie at this point. Um, the like laughter scene, I think, is the one that really sticks out to me is just like going on way too long for what they think, how funny they think that is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of this movie, like probably a third of this movie was improvised. Mm-hmm. So it definitely, yeah, definitely seems that way, and I'm pretty sure that again, having watched the commentaries yeah, on this no, film, it, it was, yeah. yeah. There's like a lot of I remember this at the time, watching this as a kid, but I didn't like put two and two together because I never really watched SNL a lot, so I didn't know Mike Myers was an SNL guy. But mm-hmm. it feels that way a lot of the time when he's especially just like mugging for Elizabeth Hurley constantly throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll like tell a joke and then look at her and said like, "Is that funny?" And then looks back at the camera and is just like, "Oh, I guess this is just how like humans interact, right?" I'm not a human <laughs> being yet, so I don't know what it looks like. I guess this is how you talk to a girl, and uh, that's how the movie kind of goes for like a long time. Yeah. Um, so he wh- does immediately begin sexually harassing her. Oh, he yeah. does. Yeah, yeah. No, that does instantly. start right off the bat. That's not. Uh, that's not great. But uh, <laughs> but uh, later on in the film, he does uh, turn down sex when uh, when she's drunk. So you know, five good guy points for all yeah. powers. Yeah. Uh, we stand a woke king. We stand a woke king. Absolutely. Now, um, just as a little sidebar for a second, I did the little uh, musical sting that happens quite a lot in this film. And I want to talk about the composer for this Mm. film, who is George S. Clinton. And I want everyone and viewers at home, you can play along too. I want you to uh, just search George S. Clinton on Google Image Search and just uh, sort of (laughs) see see how that treats you. Wow. Boy, howdy, huh? Incredible. See how that I respect you. this. I respect this. I respect the hair choices. Um yeah. the choice to sort of 
the sort of halo of hair he has. He's yeah. sort of a balding huh. man who has chosen to sort of spike the uh, the balding edges of this film. But more importantly, because it's not, you know, about how George S. Clinton looks. Uh, I want to talk about some of the films that he uh, mm-hmm. he's made music for in addition to Austin Powers' International Man of Mystery. Uh, and these are films he, he has won awards for. He did Mortal Kombat. Hmm. Ooh. Um, he did The Santa Claus 2. Oh, okay. Well. He did uh, uh, The 4400. Wait, was the, that, like the TV series? The TV series, that's Oh, correct. the television series. Uh, and there are more, but lastly for now, he did the soundtrack for the classic 1998 film that was sort of passed around as like a piece of lore in high schools around the country, the uh, Matt Dillon, Nev Campbell, Kevin Bacon, and Denise Richards film Wild Things, which Ooh. we should probably do an episode on that too, because that is a rich text, uh, not just that one scene. Um, Robert Wagner's also in that. Excuse me? Robert Wagner's in that. Robert Wagner's in Wild Things? Yeah, he that's is. what the Wikipedia Jesus page says. Jesus Christ, what was Robert Wagner doing in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> what was, okay, we um, need to... That's... Pretending that he didn't kill his wife and uh, some other <laughs> stuff. <laughs> wow, wait, did he kill his wife? Allegedly. Oh! Wait, that's... In, huh. Oh, wait, yeah, no, he fucking did. Yeah, he did. Um, okay. So, Robert Wagner is cancelled. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, no, he was actually a bad man. I forgot about that. He did kill uh, Natalie Wood. Natalie Wood. Allegedly. Boy, Jesus. Important Allegedly, context for this episode. I hope you love to see it. Yeah, no, I think he definitely 100% did. Um, also, I this is uh, slightly off topic, but I'm just realizing I've never seen Wild Things except as a cover on a VHS in my local rental store. Mm-hmm. Same. No, I've only seen that one scene, I think. Um, there's a scene where uh, uh, where Nev Campbell, uh, Matt Dillon, and uh, Denise Richards have a threesome, and that was sort of like the the big appeal of this movie, I think, for like you yeah. know, everyone in middle school. Yeah. Do you think anything better than that has ever happened to Matt Dillon? Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, no. I mean, yeah. He was doing the word pines. He's doing all right. One more palate cleanser before we move on from our, our dark discoveries here. Uh, if you still have that George S. Clinton thing open, yeah. uh, go ahead and pop open another tab and do a little side by side with Heihachi Mission. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, my guy Austin Powers says volcanoes. Wait, wow. George S. Clinton is just secretly Heihachi Mishima. Wow. He's the wow. he's Heihachi Mishima in a American remake of like a live action version of a Tekken movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh okay, so let's uh let's you know pull back and uh basically so where we left Dr. Evil, he was asking for a million dollars. He later learns that that's a paltry amount of money. Yeah, it's basically world. no money. <laughs> it's basically nothing. You know, it's basically nothing. So he then asks for one hundred billion dollars he also learns that he has a son who was birthed through um his frozen material Mm -hmm. his frozen mojo 
his his frozen yeah. mojo. Uh, his, and, uh, his dark mojo. His frozen. <laughs> You got there before me. I was like, just the train tracks are on there. You just got there before me. Uh, and Scott Evil, uh, sort of a classic foundational role for Seth yeah. Green as a who Gen so good. who uh, resents his father's absence and uh, isn't interested in uh, bonding with him or sort of learning the family trade. I have a question about Scott Evil. Please. Do we think that Family Guy goes on as long as it does and becomes the cultural touchstone that it is if uh, Seth Green does not get this role? Wow. I think it does. You'd think so. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, because I, as a young, dumb person who enjoyed <laughs> Family Guy for a, a short period of time, learning that Seth Green was doing a bunch of those voices was a revelation mm. rather than a draw. Right. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you know, he had done other stuff. Um, <laughs> wore that fucked up stuff. werewolf makeup in Buffy the he Vampire He wore that fucked up werewolf makeup. He, uh, he was in Greg the Bunny, if you remember Greg the Bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, also starring Eugene Levy. Greg the, the Bunny, Bunny, a show I saw probably three episodes of when I stayed up all night as a kid and definitely thought I hallucinated up until just now. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I lumped together Greg the Bunny and Joe's apartment in my head oh for my some God, reason. Yeah. Oh, wow. And also Idle Hands. Idle Hands is also uh, on that list yeah, for me. Yeah, definitely. I think I thought that this was a Crank Yankers bit. Uh, no, it's just a fucked up bunny who has a TV show. Okay. It's and like, I see original series, I see. You know, this was before that movie about the fucked up teddy bear. Uh, this was... You know, <laughs> yeah, another Family Guy product about the uh, fucked up teddy bear. Yeah, so uh, what's his uh, name? yeah, you know the the bear. Everyone yeah. knows the bear. We all love him. So yeah, <laughs> um, the British Ministry of Defense learns that Doctor Evil's back. They uh, unfreeze, dethaw. Uh, they thaw, dethaw. No, just thaw. Unthaw. Un unthaw. No, I think just thaw. Uh, Austin Powers and. They set him up with Vanessa Kensington, who is the daughter of his 1960s sidekick. And uh, she is supposed to help him get used to the 90s. And very early on, there is sort of this culture clash where Austin comes from the free swinging love 60s where you can just sort of, you know, sexually harass people and it's like no thing. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, Vanessa is from the 90s where people have boundaries um but (laughs) they have only been invented in the 80s you know he missed that whole thing he did yeah um well he will have missed a lot of feminism uh you know so uh how about that scene with a penis enlarger how about that scene how about that with the swedish made penis enlargement pump i wrote down that i think that it held up really well uh-huh. <laughs> yeah it, it, works. It, it was one of the f- few moments that just felt like oh okay yeah we wrote this we had this funny idea for a 30 second bit and we're gonna get through it quickly and it's gonna be funny right. just the mm-hmm. escalation of that's not mine to here's the receipt <laughs> to here's your warranty to here's the book where you say that it is yours uh <laughs> it's it's just it's just an easy good bit but it is over quickly and i appreciate it um 
Yeah. I think like a lot of the things that I love the most about this movie are the things that like feel actually thought out. Mm-hmm. Like we were talking about Scott Evil a minute ago and like all of Seth Green's work as Scott Evil is really funny, but like also just the editorial decision that anytime he enters a room, you just hear shitty fake Nirvana <laughs> playing uh-huh. in the other room. It's very good. It's really good. <laughs> Uh, I definitely knew like at least four guys like that in middle school to high school. I probably was that person for a little bit there. Like I definitely owned at least three corn albums at, the, at around this time. You know, uh, I, I yeah. wish every time the door opened and he entered, you just heard the fucking corn scatting. But <laughs> 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 yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah. Okay, so I want to uh, just read the list of uh of austin powers possessions that he claims from the clerk <laughs> please do. according to the script for uh i've been reading a lot of scripts lately just i'm sort of trying to learn about <laughs> screenwriting and this is sort of an interesting one uh so clerk says uh okay so austin powers possessions are one cr- one blue crushed velvet suit one frilly lace cravat one gold medallion with peace symbol one pair of Italian shoes, one pair of tie-dyed socks, purple, one vinyl recording album, Tom Jones, Live at Las Vegas, huh. one Swedish-made penis enlarger pump. I don't know if all of those things make it into the actual movie. No, they're uh, different. They, they cut the tie-dye socks and they changed the album to Burt Bacharach's yes. greatest hits so then they could... Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that means they tried to get Tom Jones oh. and they couldn't for this, get and then Tom. they couldn't. <gasps> It's Possibly. also a it's also a male symbol, not a peace symbol on the on medallion. Yes, true. You're correct. Wow. It's the Mars <laughs> thing. Um, and we get that classic line about it not being his bag. Uh, and then there's this sort of bit where he also uh, has the uh, credit card receipts, the warranty card, and the book about <laughs> how he loves them. So the Swedish paid. Swedish made penis and larger and me. This sort of thing is my bag bit <laughs> by Austin Powers. Maybe maybe one of the most influential Austin Powers bits on fanbyte.com as like a whole. Uh, we have for like inside baseball, we have tried for a long time to get a show off the ground named this sort of game ain't my bag baby or is my bag baby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, yeah, the premise being that someone would uh walk someone through a game genre that they are not accustomed to or don't like so yeah which got to the very shitty graphics package stage of development uh-huh. before we finally yes <laughs> we, someone someone did make a picture of a baby in a bag and i think they sort of misunderstood the premise uh, uh-huh. a little bit but anyway um, to, to briefly touch on like yeah. the, the warped understanding of of biology and sexuality and humanity mm-hmm. that this movie helped give me is like the the penis enlarger thing i was like oh that must be a thing that works right. <laughs> like, sure. i didn't understand that it was like supposed to be like a silly flim flam project i was like oh would that work interesting <laughs> i mean they do exist they are real that is like a real really thing. yeah oh yeah but it's not okay not to get i'm gonna try and keep this as clinical as possible and not get too mm-hmm. blue the thing with those is that um, it's just about blood flow, basically. It's not like a long-term okay. thing, as far as I know. It's just like you're just—you could do it on any part of your body. It's just like basically like creating pressure like and sucking all the blood into that area. So it's like, it like cupping. You're just yeah. doing yeah. cupping. It's like cupping. Yeah. 
Um, except I think All it's right. instead of fire, it's like uh, hydraulic or something. Anyway, uh, I know a lot of people <laughs> who have worked in sex toy stores. So, oh yeah, I have inside info. Uh, don't put one of those inside you. <laughs> <laughs> that would be bad. So, oh, inside info. Okay, I I, okay, I got there. Okay, yeah. So All basically, right. uh, so Vanessa and Austin pose as a married couple, and track number two, who is Doctor Evil's number two man, to Las Vegas and meet his Italian secretary. A lot of vagina, clearly a reference <laughs> to Pussy Galore from the James Bond uh, franchise of pictures. And this is a moment that really feels like what you're talking about with uh, Mike Myers fucking James Bond, because that's already a joke. Yep. Pussy Galore is already a very funny joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is not f- funnier by any nope. large degree. Mm-hmm. And it's also weird because it's like, wait, is that supposed to be an Italian name? Does, does that sound Italian? Apparently. Yes. That is, she's meant to be Italian. And and yet makes a bunch of allusions to Japanese culture for some reason. Yes. When they meet yes. her. Uh, yep, she's just weirdly into, she's kind of has a weirdly orientalist apartment and, uh, mm-hmm. talk, makes that great joke about how, uh, you know, uh, uh, men come first and women come second or sometimes not at all, uh, yeah. which is, is great. Very funny. A, a joke I did not understand. As oh a yeah. yeah. I didn't get that one at all either. That was like way over. I was like, haha, funny. He fart in pool. Uh, <laughs> what? what? One thing that I thought was stuck out to me about that scene was her her line read on the uh, how dare you break wind before me yes. uh, thing is wrong. She does the line read wrong mm. because she says it in the with the emphasis the on way before. that you would say it if you were mad at them for breaking wind before you broke wind. Yes. Yeah. She says, how dare you break wind before me? Yes. Yeah. No, it's wrong. And then, it's bad. Yeah. Who do we? It Obviously, fucks Elizabeth Hurley. fucks up the scene for sure. Um, it, who is she? Is she anybody uh, that like Fabiana Udenio? Okay. So you, I don't think, uh, you know, she's been in. She's had like a lot of TV appearances. She was on a soap opera for uh, for a year or so. Oh, and, okay. Um, you know, she's been in shows like Babylon Five, Full House, and huh. Blue. But she is like an actress. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting then that like that is such a weird line read and that they decided to keep it. I mean, it could have just been Mike Myers saying like, no, you have to put the emphasis on before. This is wrong. Why are you making me do this? But okay. Um, One of the uh, uh, notes that I have written down for this section is that, first of all, number two is wearing bracelets and you can hear them sort of clanking around on any mm-hmm. surfaces that he's there. So they didn't do a great job with, with keeping on the sound and this, and this will come back later with, uh, with Carrie Fisher. Uh, and also he's wearing an eye patch. Uh, and then he, at one point uses his eye patch to look at the, mm-hmm. the playing cards in the casino, which implies that behind his eye patch is just a regular eye, a regular eye. eye yeah. Yeah. Well, like a robot eye, because so, he uses it to yeah, he see sees through, through, the, through cards. the cards, doesn't he? He has, yeah. I think, yeah. he has like a, a super eyeball or like an eye patch it, that's like science, you know? Yeah, because he gets this a seventeen. Like Hideo Kojima shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's solid yeah, as snake. It, it actually, is very, uh, so also a lot of vagina. One of those characters who had to be renamed in cable rebroadcasts, and her name is sometimes changed to a lot of cleavage. Oh, wow. That's funny that they set themselves up for success there, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, not as good, really. I, um, I wonder no. if there is a page where we could just see all of the uh, the differences. The relocalizations. Yeah. Ooh, um, oh, yeah. Merit. Yeah? In that script that you were looking at a minute ago that had the Tom Jones stuff, does uh-huh. it have anything about a lot of vagina? It, was she originally meant to be a a, 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 a a Japanese character in that script? Mm. No, it just says, it says Italian woman, Italian accent. Huh, okay. My name is Alada. Quickly, Alada Vagina. Um, wow. And then Austin says, I'm sorry, I'm just not getting it. It sounds like you're saying your name is a lot of, oh, never mind. Uh, yeah. I'm glad that he made that clear for us. Anyways. That part goes on way too long. That is another example of a bit in this movie that they commit too hard to for how funny okay. they think it is. Yes, they did want to get Tom Jones originally because in the script, it does say mm. Tom Jones is serenading them. Mm. Wow. He was busy with doing uh, Mars Attacks probably. Oh my God, right, yeah. Getting zapped by an alien. Rest in peace. Uh, he survives. Oh, does he survive? Oh. He's he, he survives to help repopulate the earth. Yeah, oh one God. of the final shots of Mars Attacks is like him emerging from a bunker with like these singing birds and like lizards and deer standing around him and two beautiful. Women. <laughs> oh my God, incredible! I, for Tom. Clearly, don't remember a lot about Mars Attacks. Uh, me if I, I was very yeah. upset by the way the aliens looked. They did really Same. scare me. They scared as a child. me. They scared me so fucking much. Um, They're nasty. What a cast in that movie. Jack Nicholson, Glenn Close, Annette Bening, Pierce Brosnan, Danny DeVito, Martin Short, Sarah Jessica Park. This was a huge fucking production. That's another yeah. episode. Jack Nicholson also playing Double Duty. Yes. Natalie Portman, Pam Greer. Mm-hmm. Remember that this is like only a few years after like 1989 Batman, which is like that, like t- the height of Tim Burton's just like blank checkitude in I the guess. Hollywood. This was 96 yeah. though. So it had been a few yeah. years. But he had other hits between them, too, I think, right? Also, it's based on a set of trading cards. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Topps trading cards. Yeah. Unreal, unreal. You could just make movies in the 90s. Before superhero (laughs) movies, you could just make a movie and be like, I want to make a movie based on a set of trading cards, and I want to get everyone who's famous in it. (laughs) <laughs> like, I want Glenn Close and Natalie Portman and Danny DeVito to be interacting. I want Danny DeVito to offer his Rolex to one of the aliens, and uh, they they kill him with a laser beam. And they were like, "Yeah, here's ten million dollars. Here's mm-hmm. seventy million dollars, actually." Seventy million. I, I want to have Pierce Brosnan's head make out with Sarah Jessica Parker's head uh, as they're rolling around on the ground. That does happen. That does happen. Here's fifteen million dollars. We need to do an Sarah episode Kajessica. on that movie, huh? Uh, yeah, probably. I don't think it's I'm actually sorry, yeah. good, but like, it is. I, I watched it, it again a couple months okay. ago. It's genuinely. I, I don't know. Okay, M- maybe you'll watch it and disagree, but I thought it was genuinely really good I mean, and funny. It from seems like to end. it might be my bag. Um, I the the maybe. most of the memories I have of Mars Attacks is I had like one of those ten dollar you buy it at Target in the PC section of a Target game section because uh-huh. they don't have much of a PC thing. Yes, they had a, they had a Mars Attacks video game that came on like two discs in one of those big cardboard boxes. Yeah, uh-huh, like yes. Nancy Drew games. Yeah. Um, and the it was super, super hard because I could never get past the first mini game. It was like a collection of mini games, but you had to beat the first one to move on. And it was just like one of the aliens just big on your monitor, um, speaking English and saying like, <laughs> fix my head. And... <laughs> All these cracks appeared on his like glass screen and you just had to like click on them to make the to like solder them in place. And I, every time I lost and his head would like explode into goo on the screen and it was fucking <laughs> legitimately scarring. Oh, apparently. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. OK, we have to get off Mars Attacks because I'm looking it up now and there's some really interesting stuff. In those cards. <laughs> but uh, back to AP. 
So Austin sleeps with a lot of vagina to discover Doc Reevil's plans to drill a nuclear warhead into the Earth's core and trigger volcanic eruptions worldwide. And uh, then, so then Dr. Evil is like, oh, I know how we're going to beat Austin Powers because I, I will use his weakness against, or his, his mojo against him by creating fembots um, who mm. have guns. They, they have um, nip, nip guns. Nip guns. I love to see women of that caliber. <laughs> which that's not bad that's not bad okay no, like let's good. just be- it, but, but then they they sort of step on their own oh yeah dicks a little bit there with uh, him explaining the joke afterwards yeah, yeah right they can't just let yeah, anything it, it was a joke that was that everyone in the room was smart enough to have gotten so the fact that they then walk us through it makes no sense yeah, yeah no it's uh it's not great um so yeah they they uh take a bunch of un guys hostage um there's that fun bit at the uh the un where all of the americans look like jfk uh, wait, does that actually happen or because i'm reading the script right now and i don't uh, remember i don't yeah i don't recall this I, but in the final product the un scene if they went for that they didn't play it up enough but they, they did play like like every country is just the broadest stereotype yes. of that country. Yeah. yeah, there's like a geisha and like uh, one of the, one of those people who moves the boats in Venice. Yes, a gondolier. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Oh, there's a there's a beef eater there. Yes, um, yes, yes. It's very. Um, it's I'm starting to think this movie might be kind of silly. <laughs> <laughs> might be a little silly. I. Yeah, they do Project Vulcan. Um, what else? Oh, there's the fun bit where uh, Basil Exposition's mother shows up, and, uh, uh, yeah. and then Austin Powers just hurts her he real bad. Hurts her. And then just like that is, I think one of the two parts of this movie that just really doesn't work for me whatsoever. Like it really just doesn't hold up. Uh, the like con like the, it is a thing that they do throughout the movie, which is that they just keep the joke going for too long. But it does also just like the movie in it, one of its weird mean phases where he's like saying that she's been beaten with an ugly stick and she looks very mannish. And it's just like, mm-hmm. mm, OK, well. And also, they just did not have an escape plan for that scene. There's uh, yep. when I watched this movie with Merritt a while back, there's a bunch of like edits in this movie where they shot a bunch of footage of Austin Powers just like doing some freaky 60s dancing and like wacky zooms in mm-hmm. on his face and like that is the rip cord that they pull yep. yeah. in like that where there's <laughs> no actual yes, joke and no way to get out of that scene so they'll just like so he punches his mom he says that she's ugly a couple times then it's just a shot of him just sort of like looking over at miss kensington and then it just like smash cut to him fucking dancing for a second yep. next scene mm-hmm. like, yep. and i mean i think yeah. that is kind of a trope like i think that is something that these films did like the 60s films but it does like the avengers like it's a bit of like a crutch of just like uh yeah i like how you put it the ripcord of just like we got a parachute out of the scene (laughs) like we don't know how this ends uh we don't know Um, how to end a scene uh in this film chronologically have we hit the group therapy scene yet oh i think we have sorry i think we passed it i think we passed it yeah we need to talk about the group therapy scene because it's probably I think the funniest scene in the movie. I I, I, I think indisputable the funniest <laughs> yeah. scene in the movie. So, it's yeah, so Dr. Evil good. has gone to therapy. Uh, 
And yeah, Pat, do you want to do you want to talk about this? Because God. So uh, this is the scene um, with a wonderful guest spot by Carrie Fisher. Um, oh, yes. Uh, wearing a lot of nice wooden beads. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a group therapy session where Scott Evil and Dr. Evil are talking through some of their stuff. And it's just it's just one of those scenes where it's like, OK, this is like a funny bit where there's enough purpose to what's going on here, where like there scott evil's explaining in very literal terms the things that his dad is doing to him and uh, uh carrie fisher the, the group therapist is sort of taking it all as like <laughs> okay so like <laughs> metaphorically yeah. like your father is trying to kill you metaphorically he wants you to take over the world that's interesting that you it's interesting that you phrase it that way and they never like really beat that to death mm-hmm. and then it just ends with this unbelievable <laughs> monologue <laughs> Oh by dr God. evil which he begins with the phrase which i've also said in therapy uh is uh <laughs> yeah, I'm to find this. i wrote it down the details of my life are quite inconsequential <laughs> oh my god and it just goes into this incredibly written dialogue where he mentions he uses the phrase summers in rangoon uh luge lessons <laughs> Uh, what was it? It's like meat helmets. If I was insolent, I was placed in a burlap bag and beaten with reeds. Pretty standard, really. <laughs> yeah, because this is another bit in the movie where, like, they could have taken this in a really like. Mm, they could have described his childhood as like being like genuinely fucked up and then like played it for laughs in a way that, you know, there, there are some, some things that mm-hmm. he could have said there, but instead he just says the most fucking gonzo bullshit ever. <laughs> My father was a relentlessly self-improving boulangerie owner from Belgium with low-grade narcolepsy and a penchant for buggery. Oh my god! The, like would, it's just incredible. He would accuse chestnuts of being he like would womanize. What? He would drink. He would make Lazy. outrageous claims, like he invented the question mark. Sometimes <laughs> he would accuse chestnuts of being lazy being lazy that's it yeah a uh-huh. sort of general malaise that only the genius possess in the insane lament. Um, god, yes, just this piece of writing is just like the funniest part of the whole film. I also like this is kind of circling back to something a minute ago, like for some reason, my brain could not process Carrie Fisher blonde. And Mm. I just completely missed out on that every single time I saw this movie. And now I see it and it's like, oh, of course, that's Carrie Fisher. But like, holy crap. Uh, So one thing I want to bring up at this point, because after this, we go to uh, Austin and Vanessa at Virgicon, I believe. And they're on that tour. And then they like sort of. Uh, duck out and infiltrate the base. So Vanessa in this film, uh, when she's introduced, she doesn't really have a lot of patience uh, for for Austin's whole situation and uh, rebuffs him, rebuffs his, his advances, and then is very upset to hear that he has slept with a lot of vagina uh, as a spy thing to get information. Now, is there a point at which she... Is there a point in between those two things where uh, they have established that they are in a relationship? There's the scene where they get together and start drinking and she definitely like warms up to Austin like a lot. 
Um, and yes. she wants that is that that scene where she wants to have sex with him like happens between those things, I believe. Yes, she is drunk, and he refuses to sleep with her and then they talk about her mother which is the opposite of having sex yeah. <laughs> for most people yeah that do happen don't uh, they? yeah but, huge turn on huge but there is no i don't believe there is a point between these two things between vanessa wanting to sleep with him drunk and vanessa being jealous that Austin slept with a lot of vagina. There's no point at which she is like, oh, I love you now. Well, we're in a relationship. Because then later on, she's like, oh, if you like, you can't sleep with her. Like, I'm a one man woman or something. Yeah. And uh, it's really weird. Like, that is sort of one of the weird parts of this movie is, I mean, obviously, it's, you know, not a well-written film in terms of continuity or anything, but the Vanessa part, when I rewatched it, it kind of stuck out to me as like, <clears throat> there's this gap that feels like something was cut there. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I feel like it might just sort of be like partially just symptomatic of the way like Mike Myers movies yeah. were. And like, you know, in comedy movies in general there where you have like a dumbass and a, a babe, it's just like this one just you know that they're going to get together and this one just forgets to do the stupid perfunctory things that you're supposed to do before they get together. Uh, Or just, yeah, left those things. Like there is like in the first scene where he's asking her if, if, if uh, he makes her horny, Mm -hmm. which is how all great relationships begin. She does. She, she rebuffs him and then she turns away and she cracks a smile because of course, Mike Myers is being a clown and he's writing this and he assumes that everybody secretly wants just a gross little clown man. Yeah. Um, and this happens in every one of his movies too. Like there's the scene in uh, uh, Wayne's World where he's just, there's a scene in every Mike Myers movie where he's doing stupid little bits for a beautiful woman and she just thinks that they're all super hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like, th- there are like hints of it throughout the movie, like little little things here and there. I'm trying to think the sure. There's you know, the he- scene where he starts taking pictures of her. Yeah, and then they go out on the town, and they're on the double decker bus, and uh, with back rack. Uh, yes, um, and uh, so that's there's that, and then there's um, also I think there's a line that was like cut out of the uh, the film in the script here where he's taking pictures he's he keeps getting in closer and closer and in the script he says give me eyes give me cornea give me aqueous humor uh, <laughs> give me optic nerve and it's just like that's okay. very good okay yeah. should have kept that in yeah um I, th- I think the closest they come to like actually getting kind of serious with him and their kind of relationship stuff is the part where he's going back and watching old movies and stuff to try and like get caught up. It's like his self-improvement scene. It's like the thing that they have mm. to do in a movie where yeah. it's like, well, now he's a good guy or now she understands that he, um, that him fucking up wasn't his fault. It was just, you know, the, the, the times were different in the sixties, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it works. I'm just saying that I think that is what the movie thinks is going on. Oh yeah. I yeah, know. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, then he does the fun thing where he's trapped in a nutshell and then he, does the taking the stairs, taking the canoe, doing that whole thing, doing that fun stuff. That's kind of uh, charming, I thought. Yeah. How how does he do it? 
<laughs> I, I don't know, but it's, it's, it's fun. So they infiltrate uh, Virgicon, and uh, this is a, a bit where we get one of, I think, probably my second favorite moment in this entire movie, <laughs> starring Michael McDonald as Henchman Steve in just an incredible performance uh, as the henchman who is screaming no as they very slowly approach him with a steamroller. And at this point, I would like everyone to watch... Pat, is this a deleted scene from the film? Yes, this is a deleted scene. It's a deleted scene. scene from the film Austin Powers, and it takes place... Well, you'll see. Um, do we have a link? I will drop this link in the chat in just a second. And then do we want and, to sync up? Uh, <laughs> sorry, I just opened it, and uh, he started screaming. Uh, okay, so the link is here. And um, yeah, viewers at home, if you search The Henchman's Wife on YouTube, you'll find this. So um, yeah, let's just uh, watch this together. Has everyone got it ready? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Okay. On three. I got I got an ad. Oh, well. Sorry. Hang on. Sorry. Wow, don't got that YouTube red, huh? All right. Here we go. All right. Three, two, one, go. Damn, you hate the you hate it. You hate it. A lot of red light Sorry. on his face. <laughs> oh no. Oh my god, this is like very tonally different for everything else that's been going on in this movie. <laughs> Good picture. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I hate this. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is no, this, this is precisely the kind of humor that is poison to me. I'm sorry. I know it's funny, but I uh, <laughs> that that kind of shame for it just really messes me up. God. Not to be a downer. The trans so, sorry, the, just the transition between between human man and dough <laughs> and on cutting board <laughs> so, yeah. is art. So, yeah, like, so that is it's just uh, we we sort of cut from or we fade from um, uh, Michael McDonald being run over in the steamroller to um, a, I swear to God, the only fucking dolly shot in the whole movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, uh, <laughs> Uh, an exterior view, well, no, to a woman rolling bread, uh, a child sort of bikes into the house and the woman gets a phone call and it's the wife of henchman Steve. And, uh, she confirms that his, he is in Dr. Evil's private army. And, uh, then she sits down on her son and says, your stepdad was run over by a steamroller. And, uh, <laughs> and he's like, but Steve has been like a dad to me. Uh, <laughs> and uh yeah so that's not in the movie but it's kind of like a weird yeah kind of totally odd bit i don't know it looks yeah. like it was directed by somebody else yes. it does just like it, it's it's completely different in tone and feel yes absolutely it powers. reminds me this, kind this, of of the cutaways to like the uh the military people a mm, little bit right yeah. uh throughout the film but yeah no 
Very strange. Thank you for sharing that scene with me, Pat. I'd never seen yeah, it Yeah, thank it's you. It's good I, context. I, I very, very much appreciated that. <laughs> I, I also remember they specifically cut it because, like you said, it was a downer. Yeah, it really is. Like, <laughs> yeah. Most of the people who die in this movie, which does happen, are just, like, bad guys, and so I don't feel bad about it when it happens. Oh, yeah, no, they're they're bad people. It's fine. Yeah. They, they're... They're, they deserve death for their yeah, crimes. Exactly. Um, that guy deserved to have his head eaten. Yeah, sure. By the sharks. Um, he. That's no, no way to please, get ahead. They were sea bass. They were sea bass. That's true. That's the great bit about how he wants sharks with lasers on their head. Can't get them. They get very. Uh, what is the term they use about the sea bass? Ill-tempered. They're ill-tempered. Yeah. Ill-tempered. There, there is actually the one deleted scene I know from this movie. There is a version of Austin Powers where they have the sharks with lasers on their heads. Um, wow. And there's like a shot of one of them like sticking its head out. And like, I forget who it shoots. It shoots somebody with its laser. It shoots like number two or somebody and kill. That's how they die in the original cut of the movie. Oh, you're oh, right. Yeah. yeah, because. Yeah. Yep. I don't have that. I don't have a link to that or anything. I'm not as prepared as Pat was. Or wait, are you sure that's not just a scene in Goldmember? Oh, is this scene in Goldmember? Oh, maybe maybe it is. Maybe I'm mixing up my stuff from when I was younger. Because I think in Goldmember, he finally... uh, Scott gets them for him, I think. Oh, yes. There are freaking... Are those freaking sharks with freaking laser beams on their heads? Yeah, Yeah. uh uh-huh. Sorry. That's when Scott is Uh, starting to go evil. He's starting to lose his hair. Yeah. Two two more Scott notes. Uh, one of in one of the many like Doctor Evil boardroom scenes. Uh, one of my favorite moments that I wrote down is where Doctor Evil asks Scott what his plans <laughs> mm-hmm. are for the night, and he just very <laughs> casually says, "Well, there's a good titty movie on the skin, man." <laughs> <laughs> uh, again, that's what you like to your life, understand is it? as a child. I was like, "What's Skinamax?" Because obviously, a reference to Cinemax, which was known for showing uh, and the, those sort of films. Then the offhand remark that I don't know if it was improvised or in the script, but where he's chiding his father for doing the supervillain thing instead of doing an effective villain Mm -hmm. thing and just killing Austin Powers. And he says, I have a gun gun in my my room. room. (laughs) You're dead. I when I was a kid, I thought it's like, oh, he's so edgy. He's got like a gun in his room. And he's a teenager. Wow, that's wild. Um, like it really shows like how I don't know, not yep. not even cool he was because it wasn't like I was that person even when I was younger. But I did remember thinking like, wow, he's allowed to have a gun. That's wild. <laughs> I did not um, understand the world. I don't think uh, in many ways. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, so. Yeah, we get, you know, the capture scene with the sea bass. Um, They escape. Uh, Then I believe they, a lot of Fadina captures Vanessa. And they're sort of like in a standoff until number two comes out and is like, hey, I just like doing business stuff. Like, this sucks. Um, I don't want to do evils. I want to just like make money. You're running us into the ground. Uh, Dr. Evil kills him by dropping him into the... uh, the fire pit underneath his base and uh which 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 works now it does work now uh quick sidebar here again have you all seen the scene from that mitchell and webb look where uh that is a riff on this no i'm not sure i have there is a super villain character who recurs a few times in that show and uh there's a scene where it's very funny where he is trying to get a trap door installed but he has a contractor who is just like really about you know obeying 
uh, or, or following health and safety rules and yeah. just lists all the reasons why he can't do that. Um, <laughs> and then they settle on like a trap door, but like it has just like these safety cones that go around it and like an alarm that comes down and says like, warning, trap door activating. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. So yeah, look that one up, everybody. That's fun. Um, yeah, number two uh, tries to betray Dr. Evil. And then Dr. Evil just uh, activates the base's self-destruct mechanism and escapes. Into another cryogenic freezing chamber. Yes. Uh, yes. Which yes. which breaks is not it's not correct. Which I guess is a teaser for the second film because mm -hmm. there's electricity that happens when it closes the door, and that's the universal indicator that it's not working correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he only gets like half frozen because he does appear at the end of the film to say like I'll get you yet, freaking Austin Powers or something like that. And then, uh, yeah, he's he's cold. He's freaking cold in here, Mr. Bigglesworth. We haven't said the name Mr. Bigglesworth yet. No, no, we haven't. Good name. We we all loved saying it about twenty we years. Did. We did. Sure so it was so fucking funny. It was so fucking funny, just, guys. That a guy that bad would have a cat with a dumb name. Yeah. Holy shit! He just loves his little hairless cat. Um, he does. We did not uh, also specify that. Like, actually, he doesn't. Like, he. Activates the self-destruct and does not immediately go to freeze himself. He does immediately go to feed his cat <laughs> while all of this, uh -huh. like a gunfight is happening in the other room. <laughs> oh, we skipped over the fembots too, actually, because that oh, happens yeah. before this. Right. So he unleashes the fembots on Austin and uh, Austin turns the tables on them and uses his, uh, his powers of seduction and mojo to make them so horny that their heads explode. Yeah. And he does it all without exchanging mojinations. <laughs> now, yeah, they, they get cross-mojinated, though, I thought, was what he did say. Now, is that different from um, crossing mojinations? He, he, he said, yeah, no, he, 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 he crossed, he crossed their, he cross-mojinated them without crossing mojinations. Oh, okay. Which is, that, that was the moment in the, the film where Austin Powers' dedication to monogamy was finally tested. Oh. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yes, and that's why that's where he ultimately wins the approval of of, of Miss Kensington, and also nice. that one guard. Yeah, that one guard. <laughs> um, I think the only queer character to ever appear in any Austin Powers movie. <laughs> 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 um, but all, even that is like not—it's not played like a gay panic type thing. It is actually like the joke is just that like he's way into Austin's like whole shtick at that point. That Austin Powers is just so sexually magnetic that it doesn't matter. Like yeah. they do, they do say earlier on that like women want to be with him and men want to be him, but like it's sort of like played like no, just fucking everyone is horny for this guy. Yeah, like, he's so fucking cool that everyone is just like into him. And I, I kind of I like on the one hand it's like okay, this is Mike Myers, <laughs> just like hey, wouldn't that be groovy? <laughs> uh, on the other hand, Austin Powers is kind of hot. Yeah, uh -huh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no. but he kind of is. I. Merit, I'm 100% with you on this hill. I'm, I'm oh, ready to die. sorry. Can I read you from the script about that scene? About how that screen is described? Or that scene? Please do. Okay. Uh, so he throws the cigarettes in their mouths, and then Austin <laughs> begins to do a seductive striptease. The fembots are aroused. He takes off his shirt, revealing his hairy chest, and focuses his sexual energy on one fembot. She begins to shake violently, her sh her head shaking back and forth like in Jacob's ladder. Whoa, okay. 
that's a reference to pull in this moment. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh uh, I mean, God. they're not wrong. Like, they, they do the head shaky thing, but it's just weird to include in that script. Um, uh, that scene... Mm, that it's scene charming. probably it's charming it's it it that is probably the scene that has stuck with me like after i stopped caring about austin powers that was definitely the scene that probably had the most like impact on me as like a human being and just what i found it attractive in general in the world i would say like i don't know austin powers does have kind of a thing going on like i know it's like goofy that he's super hairy and all that stuff but like you know what honestly like He's got, like, a good smile when he looks to the camera sometimes, even though he's got those fucked up teeth. But they're not so fucked up that it's, like, completely, like, unbearable to look at or anything Listen, like that. You yeah, know? He's, he's confident. He's yeah. like, playful. Yeah. He, uh, you know, wears a cool suit. Mm-hmm. It's like, a good suit. It's a good suit. Like, honestly, yeah, those are all great qualities, I think. Yeah. Um, we get a lot of shots of him like he's in his underwear throughout this thing. And like it is kind of interesting that, again, for a minute there, Mike Myers, one of the most marketable men in like Hollywood, like probably more so for Shrek later on, because Shrek like the Shrek franchise made a fuckload of money, you know, so not really him on screen so much. But he's just like kind of flabby <laughs> like he we see a lot of him just kind of like you know not super built or anything like that in this movie and yet like i said it just kind of works um just because mm-hmm. again like just his general charisma on screen kind of works for me and like there was a time when that was just enough to make a movie you could just make funny voices and do funny faces into a camera and you know people kind of liked you for that yeah simpler times simpler <laughs> times uh so austin and vanessa escape and they get married and uh, they're attacked during their honeymoon by random task who hasn't done anything in the entire film mm-hmm. except for the first time we see him when he throws his shoe at that statue's head and knocks it off in a you know obvious reference to odd job. And he's uh, also the one that captures them uh, initially. Oh, Okay. After the and he drags away the random bodies. Yes. Sorry, he dra- drags away the bodies of the people killed by the yes, fembots. But he hasn't. Which done is actually his kind thing. of funny because they, they call him random task because all of those things are just sort of. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, you know, odd job, uh, yeah. random task. So, yeah, he hasn't done his shoe thing again since then. He does his shoe thing on Austin, and uh, it has about as much effect as you would expect, <laughs> which is to say not a lot. It is irritating. Who throws a shoe? I'll tell you who throws a shoe. Uh, that hero guy uh, who threw a shoe yeah. at George Bush. Again, uh, this joke aged well, actually. And his uh, name <laughs> because is... Because it was just four years ahead of its time. His name is Muntadar Al-Zaidi, and uh, he has a great Twitter presence and is super buff he's like super ripped oh if you haven't uh been checked in with him recently he's a journalist and uh i think he's doing great nice and um yeah, yeah i've heard he's, a lot about him lately actually he seems like he was like in the news again he's just fucking jacked so we love to see it uh yeah they subdue him with the chekhov's penis pump <laughs> Right. They get him really horny. Uh, yeah, well, it's unclear how this works. Like, I think, because again, the way these things work is with 
pressure, right? Yeah. So somehow, though, uh, this does work through clothing. Through the cloth, yeah. I don't know if that would. Oh, I, I, I'm guessing, you know, that's, that might have been limitations of the PG-13. Sure. Maybe, maybe on the page <laughs> there's, like, pull his random task, out. fully nude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just pulled it out. He, he pulled it uh, out. He's um, like, oh, I thought we were shooting another wild things at this point. I'm sorry. I'll leave. Let me see. Um, let me see what it says in the script. The shoe has not killed him. It has just hurt him slightly. Uh, and then... Wait, what? Okay, things are much different in the script. Oh. Um, in the original script, Random Task confronts Austin before he's trying to press the abort button for the uh, countdown. Oh. He throws his shoe, same thing, no effect. Uh, and... Austin kills Random Task in the script by throwing a big gulp on a pile of exposed wires that electrocute <laughs> Random Task. Damn. What? Because, because, so Random Task has taken off his shoe and I guess has stepped in a pool of water. Okay. His sock, his sock is wet and he gets electrocuted and then Austin says, shocking, which is not a joke. Um, not great. He, I, I will say he hits the abort button and uh, all the eruption footage runs in reverse. That's cute. That's that is kind of cool. cute. I was going to say that actually sounds like and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong about this or if I'm out of turn. But I, that actually sounds like a better ending to this movie, because I think actually like the last eight minutes of this movie are not super great, actually, compared to especially where we start. Like, it just kind of feels like it kind of ends. It's like, ah, oh, Dr. Evil's gone. They're married now? They jump from, like, we're not even sure if they're, like, really an item to being married. And then the fight with Random Task just kind of feels a little slapdash. I don't know. Sure. I mean, it's sort of like a coda to the film. Puts a cap on it. Um, oh, we forgot the part where Austin takes Scott captive. And Dr. Evil is just like, I don't fucking care. Just kill him. Yeah, do it. Kill the little care. bastard. Whatever. Uh... And uh, Alada then in the script claims that she had never actually slept with Austin Powers because of the teeth. Oh. And uh, God, I want to see how the, because then if Random Task doesn't. Wow. Okay. That's different then. That's way different. How Weird. does it end in the original script? Um, like end end. They, uh, they make him an official agent again, I guess. Oh no, they make Vanessa an official agent and then uh Carrie Fisher comes back, gives them all medals. <laughs> no, they just like Basil goes away on a helicopter and then or no, Austin and Vanessa are on a helicopter and then they go away and then they just keep panning up to space until we see Dr. Evil. Okay, that almost feels like a yeah, I think I like that ending better. Personally, I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. It's, but I guess it doesn't give us the room to canonically kill Vanessa off 10 minutes in like after the events of this ending of the movie in the next film. Yes, yes. True, true, true. Which is the thing that they did, which I guess they got Elizabeth. Uh, I guess maybe it was just a different time for getting actors back into movies and on contracts and stuff that you could just have sure. Elizabeth. Or maybe she was on like a two movie contract and she was like, mm, I would not like to be in the, uh, this one a lot. If I could just like appear for 10 minutes, that'd be great. OK, wait. So in the original script, there's this bit where they advertise fake 
laser discs of the Austin Powers movies as if they were this long ongoing saga that had this was just the most recent one. And they show a clip from a 70s one, um, or they show a black and white one, then they show a clip from a 70s one. Uh, and then they show uh, like an Indian version where there's just like some Ooh. other guy playing. It's not Mike Myers. It's some other guy playing okay. Austin, but it's just like not. It's just like the scene where he's like, oh, do you expect me to pay the ransom or something? But it's just like Dr. Evil, instead of saying, um, I expect you to die, says, I expect you to go up in the evolutionary chain. And then first, I expect you to sing, and then they do, they do that because it's funny because Bollywood. Yeah, it's like a Bollywood thing. That's weird. Well, hmm. that's weird. That's weird. I guess someone did say no to Mike Myers because uh, those things, a lot of stuff in the script was cut. So, yeah, I mean, the the you can't say no to him probably started round about after this movie, probably right. Yes, I would expect so. And that's. Austin Powers, Powers. international man of mystery. Is there anything that we uh, that we left off that is important that we didn't mention? I feel like we're going to end this call and I'll be like, oh, my God, we didn't mention, uh, you know, uh, Seth Green has a Sega in his room or something. Yeah, they did say that. Are we supposed to tie this into gaming? No, 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 no. That's the last thing we want to do. Absolutely not. Yeah. Although I will say there is video footage somewhere of me playing uh, the Austin Powers Game Boy Color game that I made a year ago when I was in LA for E3 and had nothing to do. So I just downloaded ROMs of those games and played them. And game is, I think, a generous term for what those are. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a digital recreation of a thing you do on the back of a cereal box. Yes. Uh, and it's a, a fake cell phone for your Game Boy Color. Yeah. Pat, it's if you haven't looked cool at these setup. before, you need to look them up. Um, also, there was that canceled E-rated kart racer that Rockstar was making. Oh, right. yeah. Which we have an article about on Fanbyte. Uh, and yeah, it was just going to be a Mario Kart clone, but like not body like there were no there were no penis enlargement pumps in this game as far as i know i i this is not related to video games or the, or that stuff at all i'm sorry i'm just looking at the wikipedia page do you know how much mo- money this movie cost to make um i don't know like 50 million dollars 70 16.5 fuck cheap day cheap, wow. cheap cheap and the, the sequel the awesome powers the spy, the spy who shagged me took 33 million dollars and made 312 million dollars wow. incredible 1999 that's 1999 yeah. money and yeah. that came out the same summer as the phantom menace oh my god did it yes because i remember seeing ads for it that were like if you see one movie this summer see Star Wars. But if you see two, see Austin Powers. That's a good bit. Pretty good. Pretty good Uh, bit. Um, Wow. So the second one really just was, is by far the biggest of the franchise, huh? Oh, yeah. Because it it was still very cheap at $33 million, made $312. And then the the third movie made about the same amount of money, but cost twice as much. Even still. Well, you did have Beyonce. You had a Madonna song. Yeah. they brought in a lot of heavy hitters for that one. Wait, isn't Britney Spears in that movie at the very beginning yes. too? Wow. Uh, so is Tom Cruise. 
Uh, I believe Kevin Spacey, unfortunately, is as yeah. well. Yeah, and, Danny DeVito. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, the, the opening of the third scene in which they're filming an Austin Powers movie with those actors is... That's probably the best part of the third movie. Yeah. Uh, the first 10 minutes. But, um... Man, yeah, I just... Austin wow. Powers. This is a wild ride. It was, uh... It's a trip, you know? Um, a trip back to a point in time when you could just make a movie like this. I feel like <laughs> you, you can't make movies like this today. Um, maybe well, that's wrong. Maybe that's... I'm talking out of turn, but... Pe- people like don't. You, they choose pe- not to. They don't. They don't. Uh, they choose not to, and I think probably their choices are structured by studios to some extent. But, uh... Yeah, just one of the quintessential movies of the uh, the late 90s that really defined the pop culture for a long time. And if you were born, you know, in 97 or later, I I don't know how you sort of interact with this stuff. Um, because, I mean, Nikki, you can speak to that a little bit, but, you know, I think for, for people of a certain age, this was one of those films that just entered our lexicon. And... In ways that, yeah, we didn't really even know what it was referencing, but it's still, it was just fun to say Mr. Bigglesworth and uh, we, uh, we all had a good time and it hasn't quite achieved that level of Shrekness and I don't know that it ever will, but maybe. Shrek, I think this, this movie is weird though. Shrek only blew up because of the internet in the same way that like yeah. B movie blew up because of yes. the internet. Like Neil um, Cicerega just, made Shrek. Really. Yeah. um i think i think it's like there's a there's a version of this movie that comes out three years later where the like the first ap comes out in 2001 or 2002 or whatever and like it does kind of have that same weight but because because it's it's just at the cusp of like people my age using the internet in a way that is poison Mm -hmm. um that's why it didn't kind of take off Yes, it's just too early. And also, yeah. you know, Shrek just looked funny. Yeah, Shrek looked funny, uh, was funny. There was music in it. Um, and John Lithgow. I mean, it kind of had... It, John Lithgow, like, everything that you kind of want in a summer blockbuster mm-hmm. uh, that will have medic <laughs> value for decades to come, kind of Shrek kind of had. I feel like in the Mike Myers canon, Shrek has become more of a joke, but I feel like Austin Powers is held up still as, like a better movie like this is yes not yeah. a movie like this is a movie i could watch probably uh, an infinite number of times um, i'm i'm sorry shrek, i don't i don't think i don't know i just want to look at pictures of fucked up shrek costumes i don't want to watch yeah. the movie I, there are I, five shrek films and one of them is good i do want to point out how much money shrek 2 made though compared to how much money billion Austin dollars to make it made nine. Uh, at last recording on this thing, it was a, a budget of one hundred and fifty million dollars. Made nine hundred and nineteen point eight million dollars in yeah. uh, two thousand and four. Jesus. Anyway, yeah. sorry. Shrek Two is good. Well, I, that's that's another episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. When do you guys think AP Four is going to happen? Oh my god, don't. We can't. We can't. 2022, baby. Pat and I <laughs> and Eric have talked about this. Uh, Pat, do you remember any of our conversations about AP4? I, I remember. I think I blocked them all out of my memory. <laughs> well, obviously, you know, it's uh, Scott Evil takes over and, and comes back. Yeah. Uh, do you think Mike Myers comes um, back? Uh, Dr. Evil starts a TikTok account. Dr. Oh, Evil, what if Dr. Evil on TikTok? Do- 
Dr. Evil default dances. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's so much you could do. I feel like you could do another time travel thing where um, what I think would be a fun movie is if Mike Myers plays Mike Myers and has to travel throughout all of his films to recruit all of his iconic characters oh, in, sort of, in sort of like a Kingdom Hearts style yeah. crossover. That's Into the Myers verse. They all, yes, they all have to fight it's against stupid. some threat uh, who turns out to be like Jim Carrey or like oh my you know, God. whatever whatever funny actor sort of like um, superseded Mike Myers. I don't know who that would be. Like a they Jimmy Fallon type time, maybe. Yeah. Oh, mm. Jesus. Oh, God. Yeah. Fucking James Corden. James Corden. Yeah. James Corden. James Corden, literal James villain. Corden. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sucks. Uh, uh, yeah. Not not a big yeah. fan of Jimmy Fallon either. While we're just you know nope, airing our not grievances. Great either. Uh, so he fights them. Shrek and Axe Murderer and uh, Wayne and Austin Powers all team up together to fight. What about uh, what about Guru? Uh, he died. Whatever. He died. No. He died. So here. No. So he goes. He's the instigating incident. James Corden kills the goo. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're, this will not stand. Right. He's coming for all of us. Yeah. Uh huh. We must fight together. To, it's like the one with Jet Li. It is like. It's like the one. <sighs> with Jet Li. The one goes so fucking. <laughs> if, if, if James Corden was the one, and instead of killing himself, he was killing all of the Mike Myers. What if it was one of the Mike yeah. Myers trying to kill all the other ones? Would that? Work? I would watch that movie. The really one, good. but with I Mike think, Myers. Roles. Yeah. What if Mike? I think the, the. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say the core conceit of the one is just so strong that you could apply it to really anybody's. Yeah. And get That's like. True incredible results yeah you, you could just have mike myers pick up t- a motorcycle in each hand and then crush somebody to death with them and just you know by picking them up because he's become so strong from killing yeah. his other versions that is how you it could works just have <laughs> mike myers appear evil mike myers appear in a, a, a parallel universe and here drowning on a police truck radio and have mike myers say finally something i like in this God. i need to rewatch the one Man. Uh, <laughs> shit. Well, uh, I think that is, uh, that's basically it for this week. So uh, I hope you enjoyed your cinematic journey with us. Uh, please rate and review our podcast. Uh, go to fanbyte.com slash podcasts for more of this stuff. Uh, we're on Twitter at fanbyte media, Instagram at fanbyte, TikTok, also fanbyte. And I believe uh, we're on Byte at uh, CNN. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, we are. We are CNN on Byte. We okay. we do also we have uh, Kotaku and IGN two on Byte. Yes. Right. Um, or you can go to amiibogazebo.com to uh, to go to fanbyte. zone, please. Amiibogazebo.zone. Um, Pat, uh, everyone, you know, everyone knows about Polygon. They all love it. But uh, what are you working on over there lately that people might want to check out? Oh boy! <laughs> uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's it, we we got a YouTube channel. We're, yeah. we're making YouTube's uh, YouTube.com/slash/polygon. There's uh, an evergreen statement is that there's a bunch of videos that are about to come out and they're all really good. Cool. So yeah. Um, yeah, just go over there and subscribe. Yeah, you do great awesome. work over there. Thank you so much. Yeah. We try real hard. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, where can people find you? Like on Twitter or any of those things? 
yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tw- tw- pizza underscore suplex on Twitter. I don't tweet much, but uh, the stuff I do tweet is solid gold hits. Yeah, every I think time. So. <laughs> I think so. Uh, Nikki <laughs> is on Twitter at GodSiwa, S E W A. Steven is on Twitter at Stephen Strom, and I am at Merritt K. So until next time, you love to see it. It's a grave, baby. <laughs> oh, behave. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> okay. Can somebody say Mama Mia in an Austin Powers voice? Yeah, do it, please. <laughs> please, please. Take us out, Pat. Thank you for coming on, by oh, the way. Sure. I don't think I, I said that, but thank you so much for oh, coming. No. This was a pleasure as always. Uh, take us out with that classic Austin Powers catchphrase. Thanks for having me. Mama Mia, baby. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <Dr. Pia. laughs> Baby's got the diarrhea. <laughs>